HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Guests are Isabelle Legeron, founder of Raw Wine, and California winemaker Tony Cattori. We'll talk to Isabelle and Tony about natural wines, the Raw Wine Fair, and more. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Great Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Master of Wine, Isabelle Legeron is the founder of the Raw Wine Fair and author of the newly revised Natural Wine, an introduction to organic and biodynamic wines made naturally. The Raw Wine Fair advocates fine natural wine made by small independent producers who cherish biodiversity and sustainable wine production. As Isabelle says, nothing added, nothing taken away. The Raw Wine Fair comes to Brooklyn November 5th and 6th and it'll be in LA the following week. Tony Cotori comes from a long-standing California wine family. His dad founded Cotori Winery in 1979. Tony oversees the wine made at Cotori in the Sonoma Mountains and remains true to the traditional methods of his predecessors. No additions or manipulations are made, including no sulfites, indigenous yeast, no fining or filtering, and no pesticides, herbicides, or fungicides. Tony and Cotori Wines will be at the wine, their raw wine fair in Brooklyn. We're going to talk to Isabel Legeron first. I have Isabel sitting with me. We're taping off-site in Chinatown. Welcome back to the Great Nation, Isabel. Yeah, thank it's, you. It's great to see you. I had a chance to catch up with you yesterday. You did a preview tasting for raw wine. All right, so let's let's we got a bunch of things we got to get into. So you're based in London, but you're now in New York to promote the Raw Wine Fair, and I guess your book because you revised it. Tell everyone. I want you to set things up. Tell everyone about the Raw Wine Movement and the Raw Wine Fair and how it came about. Because if I'm correct, right now this is really what all your focus is on, right? Yes, absolutely. So you know, this um, I created Raw Wine and, and obviously the fairs back in 2012 in London. Um, and initially the idea was to do something actually very UK based and organize an event that would help uh, promote all these growers you know that work really beautifully in the vineyard and in the cellar but you know seldom have the chance to actually meet the people who buy the wines or, or actually who drink the wines um, so I came up with this idea of creating um, a really sort of you know professional wine fair 
where we would be championing transparency. So if anything happens in terms of you know anything added in the in in the cellar, for example, we would mention it, um, and then bring all of these growers together, and and there came about raw wine. Um, so the first edition was in 2012. Then it was actually a great success from the word go. Excess success in every way with participant wineries yes wineries. people coming to taste wine exactly. the press the buzz yeah exactly i mean you know the the, the growers were really supportive and, and and we have i think the first year we had a, actually quite a big space we have over we had over 200 growers who participated wow. yeah then we had to sort of scale it down a bit because we we, we move space and it's it's a bit smaller um, and then we had people uh, attend from all over the world in terms of you know the the the, the buyers the sommeliers the restaurants and um, and also actually maybe there is a demand for us to export you know this concept and doing it elsewhere and then we started um, you know we did an event in, in Vienna for one year and then we started Berlin which is now a, a yearly occurrence. That's a um, cool market, Berlin. Berlin is an interesting. It's right for raw wine. Well, but yeah, I mean Germany is a very interesting market because it's very conservative and conventional and people are a bit scared of you know crossing the line and going slightly on the wilder side. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but Berlin. But in is, Berlin they do. Yeah, but in Berlin they love they, they really love it uh, but actually in Berlin it's interesting because what this gave us access from a business perspective for the growers is it gave us access to you know Central Eastern Europe and Russia and actually we had tons of buyers come over from Moscow and St. Petersburg because the scene is nascent there but it's quite an exciting yeah I want to talk uh, to you about that a little later so when you did the fair in London was there much of a natural wine scene, wine bar, or, or wines around, or was really the beginning when you brought the fair in? Yeah, it was really beginning. I mean, there, there were a few places open, but uh, I would say that for you know for in the in the past six seven years it's really completely exploded. Um, not like in Paris exploded because Paris is on a different sort of scale in terms of like places where you can go and, and drink natural right. wine. Uh, but the, the London scene and the UK scene has really really transformed over the past five six years. And I think in part to do with you know the the, the fair happening. You know we did a big effort in terms of PR and communication. So we helped spread the word. Um, a lot but, of the wine stores and restaurants attended and, you know, had some really good uh, exposure. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, it, I think it really sort of helped cement what was going on. Um, but, you know, one thing is, you know, raw wine is about bringing together growers who work naturally, but also who work, uh, you know, in the more low intervention organic and biodynamic. So what I mean by that is we have, uh, you know, obviously a pool of growers like Tony Couturi and like, you know, the grower that I'm, uh, I've brought you a bottle so We're we can have a little toast. Wine. Yeah, exactly. And who work with nothing added and nothing removed. And also we have growers who work in the kind of also organically and biodynamically, but, you know, I would say more low intervention where they don't add yeast, um, well, you know, so they don't find filter. I'm going to interrupt you. Okay, sorry. No, my fault, but it's a perfect segue for me. Because um, I think you were getting into it and we could sort of frame it and set it up. I think to the average wine drinker, there's some confusion about natural wine, organic wine, biodynamic wines. I think I'm sitting across from the perfect person to explain sort of in layman's terms, you know, tell me about natural wine because natural wine itself is a term, doesn't mean anything compared to organic to bio. So frame it up for me. Great question, and thank you for asking. Um, there is a lot of confusion out, out, out there. Um, partly, the confusion comes from the fact that there's actually no uh, official definition uh, that defines actually this is a natural wine. So everybody's kind of giving their own interpretation. Uh, from my point of view and from the point of view of my book, uh, like you say, it's actually the new edition has just come out um, yesterday, so it's very, very, very recent. Um, natural wine is literally a wine for me that is obviously that has been farmed, you know, and, and biodynamically and organically and, and i.e. clean farming, so no, you know, synthetic pesticides and so on. Um, and in the cellar, that very same philosophy is carried out in the cellar, so nothing has been added, so no, no added, you know, yeast, sulfites, enzymes, colouring and, and so on, and nothing taken away, so, you know, there's not been any fining or, or, or filtering basically going on. So in, the yeast are indigenous? So the yeast is whatever happens. You bring right. your grapes in. You know, grape is an amazing thing because it's one of the only fruits with apple 
that actually has everything to make wine. You know, the, the other fruits you have to add it water. Makes itself. Yeah, so yeah. with grapes, you can literally bring grapes, um, you know, crush them, and then they start fermenting because there's yeast in, in the air on, on, on the berries, they come from, from the soil, you know, it's, it's all around us. So, so there is a spontaneous fermentation that happens. And you know, in fact, you know, we started making wine 8,000 years ago, okay, so we, we're quite good at it. Um, commercial yeast have only been in play since the 1970s. So what do you think happened for the past sort of 7,000 years before? There's more of a track record without than with. <laughs> exactly. You know, so, so, you know, natural wines have been around forever. Um, so that's natural wine. So it's really like organic and then in the winery, nothing is being basically um, added or taken away. Then we have, you know, the certified organic and biodynamic uh, wines. So what that means is that it shares the same uh, philosophy in the vineyard. So everything has been, you know, farmed cleanly. Um, and I don't really use the word sustainable because I think that's a bit of a pitfall and we can talk about sustainable later. But uh, So they've been farmed cleanly, organically, biodynamically. And in the cellar, um, you know, they will follow certain regulations. So for example, organic wine in the US is different to organic wine in Europe. So in the US, you're not allowed to add sulfites in order to, to be able to call a wine uh, organic. But you can add yeast, you can do a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, in the EU, you can add yeast, uh, you can heat treat the wine, you can add loads of sulfites and still call it organic, right? So, so, so that's where the term organic can be a little tricky. So the term because organic... Because like you said, nothing added, nothing taken away. There's added in that sense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, organic really, to be honest, yeah. in, my, in my opinion, um, organic really really sort of like looks at what's happening in, in, in the vineyard. Right. You know, when the you make an organic yeah, when you make an organic wine, you know it's 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 it still actually can have a lot of additives. In terms of a biodynamic it's it's a very similar process except I think biodynamic and Demeter is a lot more strict in terms of what's happening in the winery. Um, and that you know and then when you follow a, a certain sort of set of rules and you can apply for Demeter or, or you know another organic So Demeter is D E M E T E R yes Demeter and well, this uh, biodynamic, which was Rudolf Steiner, are separate ways of farming and vinting wines, right? Yes. I mean, look, in short, biodynamic farming, because I know sometimes it can sound a bit esoteric, but as a far biodynamic farming is, is a, it's a holistic way of farming right. that has been around forever. You know, it's, it's when you look at uh, in bringing in maybe animal husbandry and, and, and polyculture, uh, looking at the impact and the influence of the lunar cycle, which has a you know, a fantastic pull over anything liquid. So obviously it will have an impact on your farming and so on. Um, and then it, within that we have the, the category that we use for, for the purpose of the fair, which I call low intervention organic and biodynamic. And what that means is that basically they're all the wines that, you know, farm are farmed obviously all organically, biodynamically, permaculture and so on. When they enter the winery, the peop if people want to come to the fair, they, are, they cannot put any, uh, any yeast. For example, they cannot, cannot add, so everything has to be fermented spontaneously. And the only thing the, we let Those are the requirements you make yes, for the we fair. Have, exactly, right. we have a charter so of So regardless quality. of what people are doing, yes. to participate in your raw, raw wine yeah. fair... You have yeah. to be organic, right. and then you have to not add yeast, and then right. the only thing you can add are uh, low levels of sulfites. And if people add sulfites, they have to submit an analysis of every single wine they're presenting. Uh -huh. We collect the data, and this is where the transparency comes into play. Because you go into a supermarket, you grab a bottle, and actually there could be two or three hundred parts per million of sulfites in that bottle, but you have no idea. And I'm fighting for labeling and transparency. And one way of communicating that to the consumer is by doing it ourselves and by being really strict and transparent. That, that's interesting and good to know. And hopefully the wave of the future, you know, where more I hope so. that. Do you, so that's, that, that's a pretty simple way. I mean, I think Isabel told you sort of what the things are. And, you know, as you go out there and taste wines, you look at labels and you read up a little about it. Since I've been doing the radio show, which has been over a year, I get a sense, not that it just happened, but I get a sense that there's a continued excitement and momentum in natural wines and raw, you know, the raw wine fair. I went last year, was well attended. I assume this year is going to be bigger. Do you feel it? Do you agree with me? I mean, it, it, or, or it's not frustratingly slowing down. I mean, no. it's on a good, 
I mean, for sure. I mean, you know, people people uh, say, oh, it's just a movement and a fade, and you know, I think these people are are, are kidding themselves. Um, Who says know, that? The big mainstream wine people. Yeah, and then the there's the cynical, and they, you know, people yeah. who just still kind of hang on having. You know, they just want to have a, a, a famous name on their on their bottle of wine, and they don't really right. want to. You know, all all, all that kind of more commercial. Yeah, but you know, look at look look look. You know, look at the food industry. Are you going to say to somebody, you know, the the um, unpasteurized cheese movement is about to die off? Are you going to say to somebody you're going to see less and less sourdough bread being produced and being bought? Of course not. Is the craft beer movement about to die? I mean, on the contrary. No, I I brought it up because I really feel yeah. that it is. It's a good point. But but that brings me to this point. I think, you know, I talk to a lot of people, enthusiasts, you know, people that are moderately interested and some people that don't care. One of the things that I run across is that natural wines, you know, as a category, they've been accused of being funky, wild. A big adjective is inconsistent. How do you respond to that? Uh, to be honest, I've kind of given up on, on the <laughs> okay. trying to counteract these things. They're not for everybody. Um, I feel that, I mean, you know, you, 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 you've been drinking natural wines for, forever now, but, you know, there are some wines that you probably wouldn't be able to know that they were made uh, maybe naturally uh, because they people have, 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 have matured them properly. They're very, very stable. Sometimes wines are being released a bit too early and if you don't use any additives, you know, sometimes you need time. You need a year, two years maybe before you can drink the wine. So I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of misconception. Maybe some wines get on the market and they're not sort of super ready. Um, I think that's the same with any, any wine I think it there. is the same with everything. And I think the first thing you said is the truth. It's not for everybody. Mm. I mean, raw and pasteurized cheese is not for mm. everybody. Some people like cow milk cheese and don't like milk. So like anything, it shouldn't be, you know, labeled. It's inconsistent. It's funky. It's wild. There's an aspect of that to it, but that's part of the excitement. And yeah, and I think also, you know, look, we're used to having such a, um, a a tunneled vision as to what a wine should taste like, which is like very clean and formatted and and reproducible ad finitum. And you know, this is that's, you know, this is one aspect of wine, and this has only come about you know very recently actually. So just think that you know, wine has has many diverse expressions, and that's what it, that's what it is. It's true, and, and a lot of the wines you talked about have that consistency because of additives and formula, you know, and that's exactly what we're not talking about. Um, I think you'd agree France and Italy have been cornerstones for the natural wine movement going way back. Yeah. What I wanted to ask you is tell me, tell our listeners about some other emerging wines and wine regions that we should be looking for tasting and will be represented at the Raw Wine Fair. Because sure. when I was there, I think I was drinking Georgian wines out of Amphoras <laughs> or something, yes. which was exciting. Yes. But to talk about, you know, what what's even happening, you know, beyond them. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, raw wine, I just wanted to clarify one thing. Raw wine is not like a type of wine, you know, it's not an objective, right. you know, it's, it's like it really, you know, it's it's a it's a brand it's a brand name. It's like right. a, a raw wine is just the one that is actually coming to our fair. Raw wine is your fair and your movement. Yes, exactly. And under it is natural, exactly. organic, biodynamic. You yeah, know, exactly. you even have some ciders and spirits yeah, yeah, exactly. and all that. Yeah, yeah, cool. So like yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm perfect. glad you clarified that. Okay, but, perfect. But yeah. So look, I mean, it's true that I think nowadays, um, and because. Because I think the you know the people who drink wine and buy wine they're not so confined in like oh we have to buy wine from very classic wine regions but now everything is opening up you know the, the market is really opening up people are really excited about small things happening in Georgia we have in New York coming a Slovenian uh, Serbian wine producer who's really really fabulous so we have what's this, um, the name uh, Francesca Vinaria okay. Um, and they, they're originally from Burgundy and then they found these amazing vines 
on the um, in, in in Serbia and set up their, their their little shop there and then basically spend half their time in Serbia and, and they make really beautiful wines. Um, so we use we're seeing obviously we've got a you know Georgian contingency coming uh, again to New York and and also LA. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning what's happening. You know, at home, you know, in 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 the U.S., I think, um, you know, whether you're on the East Coast or West Coast in in, in California, and you know, my I'm thinking about all our Californian yeah. friends and what's going our, on. Our um, and yeah, support goes out. I know, I know, um, but I, I, you know, I think the 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 the. The, in, the, the American growers are, are producing some really amazing wines, and and more and more so. They're and getting the bug. They are, and and now what they need to do is, is focus more also on, on the farming because I think, um, you know, people tend to talk a lot about what's happening in the winery and forget a bit what's happening in in uh, on on the farm. And, right. and to make a natural wine, you need to farm organically, and I think I think that's really important. Um, but yeah, look, you know, the world is wide open, and actually, there's tons of wine producing regions that are now uh, focusing on, on making sort of, you know, I would say well, that, more authentic artisanal production. That's why you have to go to the Royal Wine Fair to see what and who was represented. So, what can we expect at the Royal Wine Fair? I mean, somebody goes in for the first time, they're, I'll set it up a little for you. They're walking into this amazing, airy, open space. Then what happened? <laughs> so, so you, you, so basically, the main thing is to just go there and have an open mind. You'll you'll get given a wine tasting glass, and you'll get given a, a, a catalog that lists absolutely everybody out there to taste. There's probably going to be, you know, this year is bigger than last year, so we have over 145 people in New York turning up, wow. growers, uh, and about 115 <coughs> growers in, in Los Angeles. That translates in New York to about seven or eight hundred different wines wow. that you have access to. Make sure you do a lot of uh, proper tasting and spit everything that, that, that you taste if you want to last through the day. There's going to be food uh, being cooked in the courtyard. Uh, we've got pizzas by Roberta, Roberta's Pizzas, um, Korean food by Insa. And then just like, you know, you'll have this, you know, it could be intimidating, but all the growers there, they are dying to meet you. They're really friendly. They've come all the way. Some people are coming to New York for the first time, even to the US for the first it's time. It's exciting for them. They're that. really excited, yeah. yeah. And then, so don't be overwhelmed. I think, I think they're up to interacting you know, with people. Um, I think you're leaving one thing out and talk about it. There's going to be some talks, seminars, speakers. Are you doing that? No, we're not you're doing not. that this year. No, got, no, okay, no. We're, we're focusing because the, 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 the fare is increased and we're focusing on, 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 on the uh, That's good. presenting the, the that growers. That doesn't take people and, away yes, from... Yes, exactly, exactly. But I'm sure we'll be back next year. So if people want to get more information, attend tickets, whatever, what's the place, best place for them to go so to the website? Yes, exactly. So we have a, a website where you'll be able to browse through all the growers coming. Uh, if you go to our main sort of uh, www.rawwine.com, that's R-A-W-W-I-N-E.com, uh, then you'll have access to the, the, the area for New York and then the area for LA. You'll be able to see exactly who's coming, what they're bringing, you'll be able to buy tickets. Um, and then also, um, there are lots of events. You and I were discussing this earlier. There's tons oh, yeah. of events you know, being organized all over the country, in, in New York, LA, San Francisco, with the growers. You know, we've created this kind of raw wine week to, 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 make, to make the most of these guys because they're in town, these men and women, um, just to make sure that they're all participating in events. So, so even if you can't get to, to, to the fair, I'm sure you can find an event near you where you can come and meet somebody, one of the growers. But the make sure you come to the dinner. Yes, they'll be pouring different you know, wines. I, I think the town, New York, is going to be invaded by a lot of the raw wine people and they're participating with the uh, SOM force in the restaurants to get the wines out there. Um, you can get some of that info on the websites, but don't be surprised if your favorite restaurant's doing a raw wine event. Um, all right, let's just talk. We gotta wrap up soon, because I gotta get you out of here. You revised your book, Natural Wine. I think it came out yesterday or two days ago, October 10th. So if you really want a deep dive into natural wines from a true expert, a master of wine, 
um, you should look for Natural Wine. Tell us quickly about the book and the update. Sure. I mean, look, the book is, is really, you don't need to know anything about wine to read it. Um, it's really meant to tell... Don't be intimidated. It's, no, it's yes, the opposite, exactly. Right? <laughs> it's really an easy read. Yeah. You know, it's just full of stories about growers. It's about stories about their lives. You know, there's like even a bread recipe in there. So it's, it's about trying to understand what is natural wine uh, from looking at it from, from the grower perspectives and, and through stories. There's also like the history of the use of sulfite. So, you know, there's some technical stuff in there. Um, you know, why is natural wine better for you? Because actually it is better for you from a health perspective. So I cover that in, 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 in the book. And then there's like a, a, a bunch of recommendations at the end. Um, and then, you know, the book sold out. Um, it's now translated. It's now in Japan, Japanese, in French and Italian. It's being translated in Russian and in Cantonese. So, wow. you know, yeah, the, the word is, is really out there. And we had, so it was an opportunity to do a revised version. The main body of the text is still very similar, but the, 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 the grower recommendations are all updated, new wines in there. Um, so, yeah, it's a good All right, read. so Amazon, better booksellers, Everywhere. it'll be yeah. available. All right, we got to wrap up, but I don't want you to leave without you being subjected to my weekly wine list. And you brought in some wines, and while we're doing that, we're going to talk about it. So my wine list is a list of questions of my guest's interest. So what are you drinking now? When I say that, you know, are you trying a region or are you focusing on anything? Um, so what I'm, well, I mean, look, this is, this is the perfect way into this. I mean, this is one of my favorite producer. So um, let's talk about it quickly. We're yeah, drinking so we're, we're, and I'll uh, post this on our site. Yeah, sure. So, you know, you, you, you said, oh, you know, you're having Tony Couture, you know, um, and I thought actually this would be a great match with Tony Couture. This is, um, another wine legend. Uh, we started around about the same time as Tony, actually early eighties, uh, Olivier Cousin. Another very, you know, it, um, legend. I mean, he's making, he's been making natural wine for 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 absolutely ever. Uh, this is a Cabernet Franc, um, old vine, sixty year old. He's been uh, instrumental in reviving the use of of, of uh, horse, horses to do the the work in the vineyards. Um, a lot of precision, beautiful wines, capable of aging. Um, and this is the style of wine that I like. You know, they they. they they're made by people who do it for the right reasons, not because it's a good marketing ploy, right. uh, but because actually his whole lifestyle is based around the philosophy that goes into this bottle. It, at the tasting yesterday, it stood out. It was one of those delicious wines that I like. All right, so that's what you're drinking now. Tell me Isabella Geron's favorite wine and food pairing. You've drank a lot of wine, you've eaten a lot of food, you've been to the great cities. Is there anything that, you know, makes you swoon when you... Okay, so uh, this is probably going to be very disappointing because it's not. No, uh, no, no, there's no <laughs> bad answer. Not, it's nothing like sort of uber, um, um, sort of fancy. But one of my base, best moments really is when I have something really simple but very high quality. So I love, I mean, I love cheese, right? I love like proper mature. Conte, two, three-year-old, or um, a, just a very simple piece of cheese, or some really simple charcuterie, but you know, from 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 proper, proper, you know, husband, animal husbandry and so on. So for me, that if we have, um, if I have just like very simple food, particularly if I'm at the growers, um, you know, some nice bread, and then you know whatever wine they have, I'm not, I don't think there's so there's it's some really hardcore. a simple for me it's just yeah it's all about simplicity. I don't do hardcore like good cheese, cerebral. good bread, good wine. Yeah, that's it. And it could change any time. And that's it. But did you but say Comte? Did you mention Comte? That? I Comte. think yeah, okay. I'm a huge fan of uh, properly aged Comte. Okay, so that's a good one. Tell me. I'm going to make you give me an answer for New York and then Europe. Tell me your favorite wine restaurant and or bar that does the wine service, the selection, the people well. I mean, look, the place that I always go back to when I'm in New York is the Ten Bells. Okay, that's our friend Seth Peru. Yes. That's a, you know, a naturally skewing wine bar. And also, you know what I love Food. about that is they do the wine bar really well. You know, you can go in there, you can sit at the bar, you can just have a glass, you can have a, a, a bite, you know, you can go be a group of, of you and go to the back. I just love the very informal, very welcoming, very easygoing sort of approach to, uh, to what I they agree. Do. You have a similar one in Europe, there's one in London, right? There's one in London I always I go back to also, it's called 40 Mulby Street. So it's under an arch, so it's really simple uh, in, in Bermsey. Um, 
but the food is I mean the kitchen is literally the kitchen is just like uh, so I mean two, two, the two or three square meters it's tiny the wines they're an importer so the wine margins are really good and they always have stuff that I just I'm dying to drink and, 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 and try so it's, I would say this is, uh, this That's is one of my one. favorite do you have a favorite all-time wine do you have a wine or a couple that through the years it was a pretty, you know, something. Yeah, I do. What is I'm it? Not sure I'm, I'm, say, I'm not sure if I should give you the name, though. <laughs> Tell me, describe okay, it. Okay, okay, no, um, no, I'll give you the name, it's fine. It's just, it's such a tiny production. Um, my all-time favorite, and the, the wine I buy the most of, is uh, all the stuff from, uh, well, Caso de Mayol. Um, and Spell now, that. Caso, C-A-S-O-T. Okay. And then De Mayol, M-A-I-L-L-O-L-E-S. Okay. But they they actually stopped last year. Uh, the guy sort of retired, and it's it's really Alain Castex, and now he has his own production under um, a, a name called Les Vins du Cabanon, um, and they are from the Roussillon. They are uncompromising. They're from like really hardworking terrorists. They're compelling. Blah blah blah. Long aging. I mean, they're like for me, they're just just the best. I ask my guests because a lot of them are sommeliers, importers. Give me their best wine for around 15 bucks because I want my listeners to be able to bring an impressive bottle of wine for not a lot of money. But I'm not going to ask you to be specific, but validate and verify for me that a vast amount of the wines at the fair and the raw wine movement are, I don't want to say cheap, but they're good values. They're not these expensive. That's one of the trademarks. It's not these. Yeah, I mean, so let's qualify this because you, you, you know, if you work very naturally, it's labor intensive. You know, these wines tend to be more expensive. You're not going to get, you know, a bottle of natural wine for eight bucks. Right. Right. So you need that to be bad. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But they deliver amazing value for money. There's no marketing budget. Nothing is really. Um, you're not going to get, you know, these fancy bottles as like hundreds of, of dollars a bottle. So, you know, what you buy, what you what you buy is what you get for. You know, there's no right. there's no faff. Uh, they do deliver extremely good value for money, and and I would say 99% of the people. I mean, some people might just ride on the marketing wave, but they, they, it's priced fairly. I agree. That's why I wanted you to be more general. All right, I'm going to post your answers on our social media sites. We'll post them on Instagram. We'll post them on Facebook. Isabel, we have to wrap up. I could sit here for days and talk to you. I want to thank you for bringing in the wine. Do you like it? I love it. You know, I'm going to drink more when we go off. Um, so I want to thank my guest, Isabel Legero. Isabel is bringing the Raw Wine Fair to Brooklyn, New York, November 5th and 6th, and Los Angeles yeah, is on the, the following week. Yes, on the 12th and 13th in downtown L.A., uh, in a beautiful church is going to be a that blast. That should be very cool. Um, all right. Thank you again, Isabel. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market believes in seeking out local, fresh, and seasonal food and in supporting local farmers, makers, and the community as a whole, economically and agriculturally. Whole Foods Market believes in food that is vivid and colorful, fresh and full of nutrients, food that connects you to your body, the seasons, and to nature, food that helps you do more, sleep better, and wake up happier. Found in over 400 locations throughout the United States, Whole Foods Market only sells food that meets their standards, which means no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or sweeteners, ever. Whole Foods Market believes in real food. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more. We're now going to talk to Tony Kotori. Tony, welcome to The Grape Nation. Thank you, Sam. I really appreciate being on your show. Um, I wanted to, you know, we planned to talk for weeks already, but when we initially talked, a lot of things have happened. And the fact that I have you on the phone, I wanted to get you to give us an update on what's going on in California with the wildfires, because I know you're in the thick of it. I just want to state that Tony and I are taping the show on October 18th, 
This show is going to air next Wednesday on October 25th. So keep in mind, our discussion, you know, will come on the air a week later. But Tony, I think you can give us the best perspective because I think you're really in the middle of it middle of everything about what's going on how has it affected you your family friends fellow winemakers and your winery okay all right sam here's the situation on on monday morning um october 9th at two o'clock in the morning up, up going down our our local road which is enterprise road we hear this bullhorn going off evacuate evacuate oh boy. the sirens blowing and, you know, you woke up, I mean, dead sleep, you wake up, what, what? Then the next thing you know, it registers, you hustle, you rustle, get all your stuff together, you get in the car, and you look down, we're about a quarter mile off the road, the police cars are at our gate with the lights shining and the sirens on, so we drive down there, and they say, you have to evacuate, and we get a, we leave our property at 2 o'clock in the morning with, with a sense of perhaps losing everything within minutes. Do you literally so grab our any... Our hearts in our, in our mouth, and we race out. There's a uh. family of four, my, my, my wife and two kids. Once the son is 16, the daughter's 18, high school, the daughter's looking to go to college. We're making preparation. Everything oh, is in, in line, and it's completely forgotten, and we're racing for our lives. We end up at the local uh, Safeway uh, market, which is a huge parking lot, and there in little corners of the market. It's filled with cars are all our neighbors, and they're all talking about what's going on. Nobody knows what's happening. Luckily, I have a, have a friend uh, and his wife that live in the town of Sonoma. I call them at 3 in the morning. They say, come on over. So that's the beginning of it. You know, we have no idea what's going on. And then You didn't know it was fires? In the social media, your house burned down, it didn't burn down. Glen Ellen burned down, it didn't burn down constantly. Because I've been through three of these fires. I've been living up in Sonoma since 1961, and there have been three, at least three major fires. And the real difference with this one is the former one, they either burnt your house down or they didn't. As cruel and, and, and direct as it is, it, was, it either it was there or it wasn't. This one, every day there was new information. It's like 100 feet from your house. It's a half a mile from your house, not even close. And you just have no idea what's going on. You can't even, you can't even get out of it. There's only one way out of Sonoma Valley, and it's literally almost five hours to get out of town. Wow. So we have no idea what's going on for the first three days. I mean, literally, you know, you try to, you know, you, you think about it, you try to be strong and say, well, you know, if it's gone, it's gone, but it, you, know, you just hope that it isn't against hope. Right. So then you, that's just the house, and then, of course, we're, we live right there at the winery. We have fermentations going. We've got about 300 barrels of wine sitting in the cellar. Right. California-style winery, wood frame, built, you know, in pieces all the way from the beginning, 1961, added here, added there, trees all over. I mean, that's the beauty of where we live, is the vegetation, is the great trees, that, and now the trees have become your enemy. And, you know, we should have cut that branch off the, the top of the winery years ago. We should have done this. We should have done that. All the things that we should have done come to mind, and those are the ones that we hope aren't going to be the problem that we lose our house. Right. So anyway, smoke in the valley, smoke so bad that they're, you know it's unhealthy to even be walking out. We're wearing masks to keep the the the, the, the particulates from your from your lungs. You know, every morning you wake up and it looks like the heaviest fog. You can't even see, literally, without exaggeration, a hundred feet from where wow. you are. Oh, smoke, 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 different colors, and then you know it, it goes away. It blows, the wind blows a different way, and it's clear. We go, oh, it's over. But then you turn around and look east, and the hills are still on fire. I mean, it, it was so different than any other experience that we have because wine country in, in Northern California does have a history of fires. I mean, right. it, it's, it's part and parcel of what we're doing, but never a firestorm, which, which really means that it, it, it's like literally like a, like, a, like a storm coming up off the ocean. It just strikes, and, right. and it, you know, you, it's unpredictable. So anyway, long, long story short, up and down, up and down. My brother lives across, across the valley from me. He's fighting for his house. My son is able to, in a sense, in, in, in reality, sneak back in, and he's holding the fort down. No, no electricity, no water. His friends are, are able to bring him things, bring him supplies, but have to leave immediately. Uh, martial law 
if you're caught in, a, in an evacuated area, you could be arrested. I mean, all these things are just swirling around you. School, you got to, you know, it just, it was just like everything coming together in the worst possible way. We still had grapes out, grapes out there. I lost, I lost some uh, Grenache on some, on Highway 12. Right. It was burnt in the fire. One of the first things to happen. And so we're we're looking at finishing a harvest, and it's everything is still up in the air. But now it's it's finally calmed down. The fires have literally burnt all the material they can. So there's no there's always a little sense of a little fire here and there. But right. in terms of it starting up again, there's nothing to burn. I mean, we finally got a tour of of Highway 12, and it, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, I, the images are still. I mean, the photographs are are are, are terrifying. But when you can see the perspective of how big it was, and in the middle of all this gray, literally, it's gray, 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 and then there's one house standing up there, everything perfect. The house is perfect, the trees, everything around it, everything around it, completely gone. So where where are you at? Are you still not allowed back in the house, or are you... Right, right, I'm not allowed back. We went up, we went up the other day, I had a, I mean... From where I am, it's a 25-minute ride. It took me an hour and a half wow. to get to the road that I would go to to get to my house. So we, we all the things, the PG&E trucks, you got to get out of the way, the MERS emergency vehicles, the police. So we, we finally get to the road, the intersection of Sonoma Mountain Road and Enterprise. We're on Enterprise. There's a policeman there and says, this is dead. This is locked down. You can't get in. You can't get out. You're just so after all that. There's nothing easy, and you know a lot of these policemen are coming from other areas, so they really don't know the geography of the area. And he said, "I'm sorry, if I could tell you something, I would." Wow. But there's just you know emergency vehicles on the road; you can't get in. So one so of that was the, one of your one. lifebloods really is you know the grapes. I know you harvested. You know you said your son snuck back in. Is the harvest in jeopardy? Because of no attendance, no power, or you can manage that, you know. Well, right, right. So it's still early, in the, and some of the, the, the the grapes were only in three or four days before the fire. So the you know the the, the punch downs still need to go on. Some of the grapes, uh, some of the must needed to be uh, pressed out because they've been in there for quite a while. Right. He was able to do everything without power. He had a literally foot stomp. The press, so they, they loaded the press and then walked the press to get out as much of the young wine as possible, clean up with a very minimal amount of water, and then, right. you know, uh, just keep an eye on everything else and, and wait for the, you know, we, we, everything goes on according to its own its own order, so we just have to wait for the, for the fermentation to get to the point where they need it to be pressed. So are, are you hopeful just, that you can carry the vintage through? As of now, oh yeah, there's there's no question. Okay. I mean, the, the, the fire danger, which I hate to say, was the never power that thing. close to our house. The other end of Enterprise did have some problems, right? But the, the main thing is electricity coming down, That's... and where we are is so far out that once that starts to break down, they literally it's not repairing; it's like rebuilding, restoration of the power lines. We'll we'll be able to get everything in the barrel. Um, but you know, it's just the you know the the joy that you usually have around these I things know. You're coming to the end. You have, I know. The, you know, you're not in a hurry to get the pressing done because everything's looking good. And now, you, I mean, I can't even go go out and see it, let alone participate in the final pressing. There'll be a joy when you get this bottled, and there'll be a joy when the right occasion comes and you can open it and realize what you went through. You know, to drink exactly. That wine. So I mean, that's the, that's the real beauty. Of vintage wines. I mean, everybody loves the idea of vintage, and, and oh, that's the year I was born, or that was the year my child was born, etc. But the beauty of it is, it's a diary. This, these wines will tell the story of a very, oh very difficult vintage. Um, so, talk to me. The reason I wanted to talk to you, and I thank you for that update. One last thing about the fires. If I said to you, you know, we know. Tons of people who want to help here. Um, what do you recommend they do? You know what I really recommend, and, and it's, it's it's to me it's a win-win on both sides. Phone up your favorite winery that's in the area and order a case or two from them. You know, and I think that would be the the thing that would help the most. Obviously, we can't ship yet, but in another week right. when when the roads are clear and the trucks can run again, 
you get a case of wine. Support your winery. Money just to, to move on. I think it's better than 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 you know contributions to something. I, just I, buy some wine, or even if you went to I your agree. local the wine shop and, and see some of the wines from Sonoma Valley or Napa Valley that you, patronize, you like and you know they were involved, buy some of those. Patronize the wines, and if you haven't exactly. bought them, now is a time, to your point, that is a way to be proactive and participate in helping. That's a great exactly. idea. Exactly. I, I, exactly. And we, we, they get some great wines, and, and we get some, some funding when we go. absolutely positively need it. All right, so... Thank you for that update, and we only wish you and everyone in the area good luck. Um, I I appreciate that. Thank you. I want to talk to you about a pretty unique position you hold. I mean, you're one of the very few vineyards in Northern California that takes a natural approach to growing and making wine. Explain to people what that means. You know, the word natural, organic, biodynamic, you know, those terms are thrown around. You're a real practitioner, so... Tell me what that means, you know, and what you do. Okay, so you know, I, I started, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give a little history and then okay. we'll get to that because there needs a background before we start talking about it. My parents bought the property of the wineries on in 1961, and I started making wine with my dad in 1963. In those days, literally, my dad knew the winemaker at a, at a winery north of us, and there, at those days, he'd say, "Hey, ta- my, my dad's name was Harry. Harry, come up and take a ton of this out of the." They had a mixed <laughs> vineyard of of Zinfandel, Petit Syrah, Carignan, Alicante. He said, "Hey, do whatever you want. Take a ton." So one year we would take the Zinfandel out. One year we'd take the Petit Syrah. Whatever we felt like making that year, and it was it was generous times. I mean, the wine industry was was really more less than even innocent. It was hardly born yet. Uh, wine was just starting to come on the radar of most people. And they, so we made wine, just a family winery, family made. And that, that kind of from those, those beginnings, we grew into a, a, a commercial, or as we say in the business, a bonded winery right. in 1979. So starting all those years, and of course into 1979, we made wines using the natural yeast, the yeast that grow on the grapes as they ripen, for the fermentation. Absolutely nothing was added to the wine. Everything was, was done by hand in small batches, pushing the, the caps down literally by hand. And, and not, it was just, it was an extension of, of your garden. As my grandfather would say, you know, never put anything on the vine that you wouldn't put in your mouth. And that's sort of exactly. what we carried through. You know, it, was, it, it wasn't like we were doing something that we thought was radical or innovative. It was, strictly speaking, the tradition that we had from our family coming from Italy. And, but when I started in 1979 and the first wines hit the market in the middle of 1980-81, I was, I, was I was characterized as the most radical person in the wine business. I mean, I'm still to this day, I'm considered a wild man, and I was doing the most conservative thing you could do. Nothing. I was doing nothing. I, I, letting the wine develop itself, letting the wine... Get the get the, the flavors from the vineyard. Not not putting anything in the way of the development of the way the wine wanted to go, which had been going on in Europe for you know a long time too. Certainly in Italy and France, you know there were many winemakers who who had the same philosophy you did. Napa of didn't. Napa didn't really turn out that way. I mean, like you said, outcast or people looked at you, you know, radically. Um, but you right. you stayed the course. Well, yeah, because it's it, it, once you do it, you, you know, it's like once you go organic, once you first taste that beautiful beef, that hamburger that right. from, from from that has ain't going been back. manipulated, and maybe you and know, I've met kids that have never tasted anything but a McDonald's hamburger, and when they taste a nice barbecued piece of beef grown properly and right. presented on a nice roll, at first they don't know what to think, right. and then all of a sudden you can see the light bulb go out and say, "Man, is this good?" and that's that's the difference between, you know, conventional wines that have been manipulated. And when you finally get finally get your first taste of what natural wine really right manipulation's like. the big word. So you mentioned exactly. you use indigenous yeast. What are the other you know things in the process um, that you do that you know make your wines natural? That's one of a few things. I mean, you have to right. really well, focus on other things too. Well, the the, the main things. 
the, the main kind of keystones are the, are the malolactic fermentation, which is also naturally occurring in our winery after so many years. Right. But it's also keeping, and then it's like the good housekeeping of all wines, keeping the air off of them, uh, moving the wines when they, when they really need to have some air on them to get off the leaves. Right. I think the main thing is, is the wines, and I know it, it, this would probably make me more radical than I really deserve to be, but if you're really into something, the wines talk to you. I've talked to vegetable growers. I've talked to guitar players. That they don't play the guitar. The, the guitar, it, they become one. And you can't think about the next note when you play a guitar. You can't think about when that tomato is going to be ripe. But when it is, you it know. tells you. And yep. That's the best. And that's what I do. I mean, I, I firmly believe, and, I, and it's, it sounds kind of naive and, and childish, but the wine talks to you. It tells you when it wants to, when something needs to be done to it. Of course, at the beginning, you taste the wines a lot just to understand what where they're going in terms of their of their development. But at a certain point, you don't need to taste them. You just have to walk into the room, right. and, and the Pinot's talking over in the corner, and the Cabernet firmly asleep, and that's pretty much what you expect. <laughs> that's an interesting way of putting it. Um, so you don't fine or filter. You don't use sulfites, right? Exactly, and that's that's another key part of it is that we add nothing to the wines that would interfere with the development of them. And I and I, and I say this there again: SO two sulfur dioxide. When you buy the bag, and we do use sulfur for sanitation of the equipment. Right. We do use. I mean, the housekeeping is 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 the most important part. I mean, you're you're bringing in something into clean containers and let it develop the way it's supposed to be, without other things influencing it be there by a human being or by nature. But if you buy the bag of SO2, it says right on it, poison. And that's my, you know, and that ends the discussion lots of times when I talk to conventional winemakers, because I firmly believe that a sulfur dioxide is a poison and shouldn't be in our food, period. That, that's, you know, that's, that's an easy one. And you apply that to your farming practices, because right. I, I would, I don't think it's a, tough one to say that pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, a lot of poison there, too. You stay away from that, right? Right, and build the size on the list. Of course we do, because, if, you know, on, on one side, on the professional side, let's say, all those chemicals would interfere with the development that I want as a winemaker. But on the other side, on the side of human beings and us continuing to live on this earth, is that we can't be poisoning it. I mean, these fires and these hurricanes, while they're horrendous and people are suffering, you know, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of of evidence that these things could be mitigated by just simple practices in terms of what we're doing with our environment. And, and there seems to be a lot of resistance to moving forward on that. Well, ironically, anyone listening, it all sounds right and it sounds good. And you know, you have an emotional attachment to your wine. I mean, I just need to tell everyone, certainly in California, that the high majority of people who grow grapes and make wine do not follow those practices. So, you know, one of the reasons I did want you on is it, it's unusual that it's being done. And, you know, you said you could taste it in the wines. I wanted to ask you this, because we do the show out of Brooklyn, and you were here last year at the Raw Wine Fair. This is pretty much ground zero for the raw and natural wine movement. There's a lot of natural wine bars and restaurants have a lot of it. Natural wines, and I've become more versed on it since I've been doing the show, natural wines have been accused of inconsistency, non-ageability, and sometimes funky. And I think <laughs> you've been in the game long enough to respond to that. I mean, how do you feel when I say that to you? How do you respond? Well, you know, Sam, it's something that, you know, on one side I take great delight because I go to now natural wine tastings, especially around the Bay Area. And there's a lot of young, very passionate winemakers out there. But when I come up to when they come up to my table and see a nineteen eighty five Zinfandel sitting there or a nineteen eighty two Pinot Noir, you know, they they've been in business five years. So they don't know right. <laughs> you know, what something's supposed to taste like. But it's also the other part of it is when I came up through the business end of it I couldn't make funky wines. I couldn't make cloudy wines. I couldn't make effervescent wines. I, my wines had to be equal to or better than what was available then under the under the guise of, right. of 
no chemicals. And the interesting thing, I would go to San Francisco marketing these wines, and if I talked about, you know, organic or biodynamics wasn't even in the picture yet, but if you talk about organic and not adding sulfite, uh, the, the, the person that was buying the wine would be very, very uh, kind of standoffish. So I, I found that what I needed to do is go in there, and present the wines like any other wine, talk about the vineyards, talk about the sun, talk about all the good things. And when they bought the wine, then I said, oh, by the way, there's an added benefit to these wines. They're properly grown organically, and there's absolutely nothing added to them. Right. And the funny thing is there was wine shops in the city in my face said that we can't carry your wine because we're afraid that these bottles will explode and spew <laughs> biological <laughs> contamination in our store. Which is, oh my God, what did my grandfather say? I mean, it's like, right. where'd that come from? But anyway, the misunderstanding of this is, is so deep in terms of, of what we do. But you know, on the other side of it, and I, not that I'm a religious person or a Bible thumper or any of that, the first miracle of Jesus was he turned water into wine at a wedding, and I always say, "Well, there's sulfites in those wines." Of course not. <laughs> That's right. Definitely not. Of then. course not. Um, I want you to tell people because you, you know, have a limited amount of production because of the way you do things and how you want to do it. How can people find Kotori wines? Well, the, the best way is to, you know, on the web, you know, dot com, and there's a way to uh, email me. You know, Order direct. Email me to start the conference directly. And we, you know, I'll get back to you. We can start talking about okay. putting the wines together in terms because now I'm at a crossroads. I'm at a crossroads, but I'm also I have a young fellow working with me now, and I've always been known for these big, full, heavily extracted, big wines that you wouldn't even think about bottling them in a year, maybe two years. Now I'm learning, you know, how to make a little more finesse, make Restraint. wines that you could bottle in six, seven, eight months. Somebody got to you. Not be the blockbusters. Right. Well, you can make both, you know, and I'm sure yeah, you'll exactly. make them That's well. exactly. That's what I'm learning. So the best way to taste a Kotori wine is to go to Tony's website, and you'll be able to um, communicate with Tony, and you will be sure. able to get to some of the wines. You do have some of the wines in restaurants, right? Sure. I mean, New York is one of our biggest markets, yeah. so we have, not that we're you know extremely available in New York, but also... I mean, the best way to find about mine and all the wines that are out there is to go to the raw wine tasting well, that, in the first that, weekend in November. That, that, was my, them all. that was my next thing. You know, that's the other reason I wanted you on. The first raw wine fair in New York was in Brooklyn last year, and it brought over 150 natural, organic, biodynamic wine producers. And Tony mm-hmm. and Kotori Wines was there, you know, representing the U.S. as... I've told you in the past few minutes, one of the few real practitioners um, in the U.S. So Tony will be back personally this year at the Raw Wine Fair, which will be in Brooklyn. Um, Tony will be there pouring wines, and it is November 5th and 6th. You can go to rawwine.com and get all the Mm -hmm. information. Um, And if you want to explore Tony's wines and some other terrific wines. Um, it's a very unique opportunity. And Tony, the following week, they're going to be in Los Angeles. Are you doing that too? Yeah, I'm going to fly back to California <laughs> and wash, wash my clothes and jump in a car and drive down to There you California. go. It's not a bad thing. L.A. is a good market too. There's a lot of good, uh, there are many influencers and fans of uh, natural wines in L.A. Well, you know, I mean, it, it's all coming from Europe, too. I mean, the interesting thing, Paris has been, been doing natural wines for 25 years. Right. And I think we're really seeing a lot of the work that was done early show fruitation now and that people are excited. You know, and I think yeah. that's, the most, that's the most important part. Tony, I got to tell you, when I went to the fair last year, you know, I had had guests on that, you know, were natural wine sommeliers, bars. Um, we had tasted a lot of wines. When I got in there, it was really an incredible experience for me to taste through that much wine and to meet some of the people that I had heard about. I went to your table, and that was one of the few minutes you stepped away. Andy Besh was there. <laughs> so I, I will make it my business to see you there and say hello. Um, Tony, we got to wrap up the show. I want to thank you through these troubled times for coming on and uh, giving us an update. 
Um, I'm looking forward to meeting you, and we wish you, your friends, your family, and everyone out there um, just good luck and good fortune through all these tough times. Really appreciate it, Sam. Thank you so much. Thanks, for Tony. I'll, I'll see you in a few weeks. Good. Bye. Good, good, good. Thanks. Bye. If you have a question, wine happening, or event, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's samatthegrapenation.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. We'll post Isabel's wine list answers and our weekly wine sip. I'll tell you about the wine Isabel brought in. Um, it'll be on the Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram at sbenruby and on Twitter at benruby. I want to thank our guests, Isabel Legerone from Raw Wine and Tony Cattori from Cattori Wineries. Thank you to our engineer, as always, Vitor, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Benruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.